Blog Talk Radio. of the Total Sports Live podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. Like I said before, every any podcast that we do, all you got to do is check it out on blogtalkradio.com backslash Total Sports Live or if you have a smartphone or an Android, Apple, Windows Home, Blackberry, if there's on, if there is there, this app is on their app stores, you can download the TuneIn Radio app. And from there, from your app, from your app store, search Total Sports Live or the TSL podcast right there. And from there, just subscribe from there. We really appreciate all the listeners and people that do listen from that, from tune in and check out the podcast on demand. Really appreciate it. And also, you can check out the podcast on iTunes. Yes, we are on iTunes. If you don't, if you probably you always forget, we're on iTunes. Go to the podcast section on iTunes. Subscribe right there to the TSL podcast. You'll have all the podcasts that we ever done right there from right there on that feed, straight there. But we got a great show for everybody tonight, and we're going to be breaking the mold as last week we talked about the Eagles. And we would be talking about Eagles, but I don't really want to dive into this whole thing about, oh, there were only 18,000 people that showed up to training showed up to training camp today, and it's down from 43,000. Is that something that we should be concerned about? Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get on that talk about what sports radio is doing here in the city. That sucks. Gotta stop talking about that stuff. We but to, we ain't gonna talk about that. But tonight we're gonna be talking about the MLB trade deadline. Yes, the Phillies are in MLB trade deadline rumors. As just like last year, this 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 year they have a pitcher, a, a pitcher in Jeremy Hellickson who is receiving a lot of receiving a lot of offers and there's a lot of buzz around his name. Some teams are into that. We're gonna talk about that tonight. So it's probably going to get a return on them. And should they make it, should they trade them? Because if they don't trade them, there could be some good things that come from it. Also, we're going to look back at a year in review and look back at the Cole Hamels trade, which has to fill these great prospects. And we're going to look at how those prospects are doing this time, this year, uh, this this year. And then finally, we're going to wrap it up talking about the, the Phillies minor league system in general, which just came a long way. After it was down for a couple of years, it's actually been built up and is really strong, but especially in the top ten is really strong. But before we talk about all that, tonight on the podcast, let me bring on my co-host, the one and only Angela Matoni, joining us here on the podcast. Angela, how are you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? I am doing good. As I said, we're going to break the mold and Break the mold and talk about some Phillies. We haven't talked about Phillies since literally opening. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. yeah. right. Like we, the Phillies have like much more to talk about. I just want to understand this whole thing about people being irritated that not a lot of people showed up to the Eagles practice. I've been there a couple times. It really isn't anything special. 
Uh, so it's like going, like it's going free, to Lehigh, it, pretty much. When it was like yeah, Lehigh, it is. It is. It, 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 it's family friendly and all that, but it's not really. There's really nothing to write home about it with. So, <laughs> for people to be like, "Oh no, now the people show up to the evil training camp," like, who cares? It's freaking practice. Right. Of course, the great AI. We talk about practice. Like, who really wants to like go take a day and sit down there and watch it? Like. It, right. it's, it's like going to a spring training game. You know, yeah, so I mean, I don't really you stay, you stay there it. for half of the game or whatever. You stay for half of the game or the whole game. But then you leave. Like, yeah, like I don't see the issue with it either, but supposedly this is making a big issue where we got sports radio stations oh, in this wow. city that's out and left to talk about it. And, you know, all right, does that mean the team's expectations are lower? And I just, you know, God, it's just, oh, I just can't wait for the first three. I just can't wait till the first preseason game because these beat writers and sports talk radio hosts need something else to talk about. Oh, God. Just, they're just man. grasping at straws. Yeah, <laughs> Literally, we talked about that last week <laughs> about the haters. Uh, but I know, man, so before, we, before we commit career suicide, let's move on from right. that. Right. Let's talk about the Phillies because yes, the Phillies are in action. They did lose the day two to one. They're from forty and fifty nine. That's all right. This is a rebuilding year. They're 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 this a rebuilding year. But outside of talking about the game and the record, they are in trade deadline rumors once again. Last year it was Cole Hamels. Now this year it is Jeremy Hellickson. Hellickson is starting to get a lot of buzz. The trade deadline is tomorrow at four o'clock, which is so weird because it is on a Monday. This year, so it's kind of, it's very weird to you know rack your mind around that. But when we look at Hellickson, he's pitched really well uh, this season. I think he has about a three something ERA, eight and seven record. Really playing well after the Phillies acquired him via trade in the off season from the Arizona Diamondbacks. So we have the Marlins, the Giants, who were supposedly supposed to be interested in him, but they're not really interested in him. Uh, the Blue Jays. Were think were inquiring on them. The Texas Rangers they were inquiring on them, but they view them as a secondary uh, option. They were also the Rangers also in the, uh, looking at Vincent Velasquez, which was kind of interesting uh, when I when I heard that rumor. We also have the Detroit Tigers also interested, along with the Marlins. The Orioles are as well, but who knows? Especially with them just acquiring Wade Miley from the uh, Seattle Mariners. Wow. Everybody's probably like, oh, my God, you know so much baseball. This is amazing. <laughs> but when we look at this, uh, this the, the Phillies, and especially around Jeremy Hellickson, the question is, should the Phillies move Hellickson or should they hold on to him? Because if they hold on to him, supposedly – um, if they hold on to him, they can offer him, they can offer him the one year uh, qualifying offer, which is one year, sixteen point seven million. And if they offer it to him and another team signs him, the Phillies could get a compensatory draft pick. Uh, could get a compensatory draft pick in return. I think it's between picks thirty five and forty. That's what I've been told, and that's what people have explained to me. So, with all that being said, should the Phillies move him or should they keep him? Because they keep them. They get them. They keep them to the end of the year, and they possibly get a draft pick in return. I said when they signed him that he was a very low risk, high reward situation, and I still mm-hmm. stand by that. Uh, I actually had him on my fantasy baseball team when he was with the Rays. Ooh, we're going way back. So, yeah. So I mean, I always knew that he. Um, 
chance and the ability to be a decent rotation pitcher. But mm-hmm. he hit like that kind of lump in his career, and that's what said. I looked at him like he's very low risk, high reward, and if they're going to move it, move, uh, move him, then that would be you know the strategy. And you know if that works out for them, then fine. I'm okay with moving him if the price is right. Exactly. As much as I like Velasquez, I'm okay with moving him if the price is right. The price is right. We are on the four-year anniversary of Ruben, you know, trading away Hunter Penn to help the Giants win two World Series. And um, Victorino left on on this day four years ago. Hamels left on this day a year ago. Like this is not history in recent history, but a good day for us. That if is true. You can, that is very true. If you can get in return what they're worth, or like prospects who might end up excelling, then that's all good. I'm fine with that. But I don't want to see bonehead deals made for the sake of being sellers, which is what I worry about. And I agree with you on that, and we're going to talk about that because I think Matt Quintack, when we look at just what he's done this off season in making the Giles straight and the return that he got in the Giles trade, did an excellent job with that trade. And when we look at Hellickson, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of reports out there saying that, you know, the Phillies, if they do trade Hellickson, they want a top-five prospect in return. A lot of people are just like, hmm? Jeremy Ellison, top five prospect, like he said, low risk, high reward type of guy. Like top five guy, top five prospect. Is the team really going to let go of that top five guy for a pitcher like Ellison who's having a bounce back year per se? And right. then there's, he won, then there's yeah. other reports that three or four prospects in return uh, for Ellison. So, like you said, it's a high risk, low risk, high reward. And if he's on the high reward end for the Phillies, it is like, if you trade them, can you get a, prospect, a good enough prospect, which I think you can because there is probably a desperate team out there that would probably pull the trigger. On that yeah, you can, get, you can get a prospect, but to be realistic, they're freaking smoking crack if they think they're getting like three, four prospects for them. That's just not right. No, for he's real. Not Cole Hamill. Not he's not Cole Hamill. Exactly. You know, he's a middle-of-the-rotation guy who is a serviceable middle-of-the-rotation guy. But realistically, what did they get for Joe Blanton? Nothing. He was also a serviceable middle-of-the-rotation guy. And here's another thing where I will incite the Twitter mob. I dare anybody to come after me against Joe Blanton because I'm armed with stats and facts and knowledge, and that was my boy. He had one of the best career ERAs in baseball after the All-Star break. So, you know, if you're not getting prospects, plural for him, I mean, what makes you think you get prospects, plural, for someone like Jeremy Hellickson, who, like you said, isn't a bounce back year. And, you know, career-wise, he's like a, what, three-and-a-half ERA pitcher? Yeah, and the only reason three and he a half. three yeah. and a half right. The only reason he's three and a half right now is because early in his career he was really really low, and he had those couple down years. Yeah, he had the AL the rookie of the year, I think. Mm-hmm. He was the rookie of the year in the AL, I think. So yeah. yeah. 
like I told you, he was on my fantasy team when he was in the Rays. So you can't expect to get the world back from players that won't give it to you. Like, yeah, we got mm-hmm. a lot from Gold Hamels. We got a lot from the Gold Hamels deal. Do I still miss Hollywood? Of course I do. Every single fifth day of the rotation, I miss him. But the future is bright, though, on the flip side, too, about that, too. I think it hurts the future is very, very The future is very bright. But if they're going to try to sit back on their laurels, I don't think they're going to get, like, three or four prospects for Jeremy Hellison when they didn't get that for Jeff Lane. Or even one top five guy. Even one top five That's not going to happen either. It's going to be hard. It's not going to happen. Now, top 10, possibly top 15, okay. Top 15 sounds more not, sounds more relatable. And, you know, when they talk about, you know, top 10 guys, top 15 guys, you know, I was reading a story today on Hardball, on Hardball Scoop, on Hardball, Hardball Scoop, excuse me, and they uh, break, and they was, you know, talking about, you know, the Orioles and I am being interested more so the Orioles, but don't know where that's going to be at. Case of Wade Miley, they bring up a couple of names that could that they that could get the deal done if they wanted to get a guy like Hellickson. And they mentioned uh, two guys who the two guys who the two pitchers who the Orioles just drafted this year in the second round, uh, Matthias Dietz and Keegan Aiken, both guys drafted in the second round, but both still very young. They're only in short season A ball in the North Penn nor in the New, in the in the New York Penn League with Aberdeen, so really young guys. Don't know if Baltimore. I don't think. I don't know. I don't follow minors like that. But I would highly be pressed to think Baltimore would give up two guys they just drafted and give up one of those two guys that they drafted in the second round for a guy like Hellison, who's pretty much a rental for the rest of the season. Really hard to wrap my finger around that. But when I look at the Miami Marlins, there's a guy that really intrigued me, and I've talked with our friend Alex McKeon about this. And one guy who I brought up to him, I was like Jake Esk. Jake Esk is another. Uh, pitcher in the in the Marlins system. He's a top ten guy, slotted at number nine right now, according to MLB, according to Major League Baseball's pipeline. And uh, he's right now in Double A Jacksonville. They have a ten and eight record with a four oh one ERA. But the key is about this: he's twenty six and he's on the Marlins forty man roster. So when Miami do that type of deal to trade a guy that's already on their forty man roster, who they can possibly use. In, in in the in 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 the coming months for a guy like Hellison, there's a lot of there's a lot of different there's a lot of different possibilities that could come from this. I guess if you're the Phillies and this is me, if I was the GM, since I already have a lot of talent that is stuck in Double A and Triple A, I would probably try to get a guy who's probably just in Single A ball that has a lot of high upside, and then go from there. That's what I would do because you already have too much talent stuck up at double A AA and triple A. Well, but that's the thing about baseball. You know what I mean? Like prospects and draft picks, like every other sport, football, basketball, um, even like hockey. And mm-hmm. like it, you, your draft picks go from the draft to the league. Then there's not really that in between time. Baseball's an only sport where it's there's like all like not even just a little bit, but there's so much in between time. You don't draft and somebody like and then automatically chuck them in the in the big leagues. No, only a few get fast tracked, like Aaron Nola, no. like guys like that get fast tracked. 
So, I mean, I can see other teams being okay with, you know, doing things like fast-tracking. Not fast-tracking. I can see other teams like trading draft picks or, you know, reason draft picks for players that are already established in the major league. I Mm -hmm. wouldn't put that past them only because, you know, someone who is drafted doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a good MLB player. They might just be the problem. Baseball is the one sport where prospects don't – it's not indicative of their professional success. Exactly. So that's where I am on this. Like, they can get decent prospects for Halifax and for Velasquez. But at the same time, I mean, they might not be Major League Baseball talent. I would rather, Mm -hmm. you know, move them for someone who's already drafted and they at least have some kind of report on them. So right, like you're, the like you're in top. low A ball and just see exactly. what you can so they can Exactly. So they at least know what kind of player they're getting for what they're giving up because they know what they're giving up. But to give that kind of player up for a draft pick, it's not really giving the player up for anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally know what you mean. So we'll see what happens on that end with Helixson. We'll see what happens at the 4 p.m. deadline. If Helixson a move, we'll see what happens on the last because a lot of interesting things with that, but it seems like the Rangers aren't going to make that move because I will feel like if the Phillies are going to make that move, and I was talking with Alex last uh, couple nights ago, that the Phillies would probably ask for their number one prospect in Joey Gallo, which I don't blame them for doing that <laughs> because they're giving up an arm like Velasquez. Uh, I'm not giving it. I'm going, I'm going, I'm trying to get as much back in return. So I don't, so I, I, I will see what happens with those two guys in particular, and if anybody else gets moved, which would be a shocker if anybody else outside of those two get moved. But, hey, you never know. We'll see. But since we mentioned just now those Texas Rangers last year, around this time, the Phillies made a huge blockbuster deal where they traded Cole Hamels who helped land the Phillies' first World Series in many years and was named the World ah, Series, I think, MVP. And they traded him for and he and 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 we cannot forget he also ended his Phillies career with a no hitter, which was just of epic proportions to end like that. Almost like the Swan Song. Yeah, hell of a Swan Song. Hell of a Swan Song. It was like a Disney movie. <laughs> no, the no like the a Disney, Disney baseball movie. Ended, no. The Disney movie would have ended with him saying, "Here, let's not get that twisted." Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is true. That's true. That's very true. But the Phillies did trade him, which was sad to see him go. And where Rangers blow was very hard and tough to watch. But in return, the Phillies got a nice slew of prospects in Nick Williams, Corey Alfaro, Jake Thompson. And right now these guys are third, fourth, and fifth in the Philly system right now. Nick Williams is in AAA Lehigh Valley, has 10 home runs, 54 RBIs, a 283 batting average. Corey Alfaro. Right now is in double A Redden, twelve home runs, fifty four RBIs, two ninety three, and Jake Thompson is in triple A starting pitcher, eleven to five with a two five oh uh ERA, eighty eight strikeouts over hundred and twenty nine and two thirds and then he will be the guy supposedly if the Phillies do trade Hellickson, he will be the guy to be called up because those two guys have been pitching on the same schedule uh, has been pitching on the same schedule for the past couple of weeks here. So mm-hmm. Looking back at that, looking back at this deal, did the Phillies make out well? 
knowing that they gave up a big piece in Cole Hamels, who was part of that initial rebuild with him and Rollins and Howard and Utley, you know, he was one of those gems. Did the Phillies make out good on this deal, knowing what they have coming up just with those three guys in the pipeline? I want to say they did, but I still miss Cole. I don't want to apologize. That's a fair assessment. I remember, I remember him being drafted. Listen, I remember him being drafted, and I very rarely do this, but I'll date myself. I was 17 when he was drafted. Like, I remember him being drafted, and I remember. Don't do the math. Like, that was like, don't do the math. It, yeah, please don't. Um, it was a culmination of so many drafts that came before, it, and he was the big score. And, you know, when he got drafted, it was like we had looked back at, you know, the ones that we had had before. You know, Gavin Floyd, who didn't work out here. Pat Burrell was a couple mm-hmm. of years before him. You know, she felt like Ryan Howard, like this was like the, this was what we were building toward. So when they got mm-hmm. him, it was like, yeah, he's going to be a total stud. He's going to be that number one pitcher that you want, that you need in your in your rotation. And I'll be damned if he wasn't. So it just sucks. Like, I hope to God that it's all worth it. But it still killed me to see them give him up. Just like it killed right. me four years ago to let to watch them get rid of Hunter Pence and Shane Victorino. You know, Shane Victorino probably was at the end of his career. I mean, he didn't really have that, you know, he played here and there over the years afterwards, but there was no reason to have gotten rid of Hunter Pence. He helped the Giants win two other World Series with the Giants. Yeah. You know, it was a really, like, happy time in Philadelphia that turned into a really sad time real quick in the matter of a couple years. But the one that I will never really get over, I think, is just the fact that, you know, they let Cole Howells walk away. That was, for me, watching, you know, the team that I kind of grew up with get traded away one by one by one by one. I think that was in this crushing blow, especially because I don't think he wanted to leave because in his exit, uh, you know, press conference, he said that he'd be open to being signed here again. He'd come back if they offered it to him. I believe him, and I think they would offer it back to him without a doubt. I don't put that past I, I hope so. And I hope he take it because I'd love to see him in pinstripes again and not, like, find that one two-day contract so he can retire crap. I want to see him back in pinstripes and pitch again. Well, at least for a year or two, you know, after he finishes his tenure with the Rangers, come back and, you know, be that old Wiley veteran with the young studs. It would just be like a whole circle of life type of thing in the rotation. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Cole Hamels doesn't come back as your number one. Your number ones and twos are Nolan, Velasquez, Thompson, Eflin, and then you just throw Hamels in there. It's like, wow, this is like yeah, a circle can, of life, like in your entire rotation. We can start making Chuck Norris just about Cole Hamels. <laughs> oh, man. Cole Hamels doesn't that hold was... the rotation up from the end. The rotation. <laughs> The rotation told Cole Hamels up from the beginning. Hamels up. <laughs> oh man, we might have to remember that. We might have to. We might have. We might have to remember that to get T-shirts made if that comes up. If that happens, any in the in in the next up, upcoming years, if that happens, I will remember this podcast and be like, we told we had to capitalize on this and make T-shirts out of it, and it becomes. We can make it. Yeah, we can make it out of so much. 
think you make a lot of so much more. Cole Hamill doesn't make batters swing and miss. Batters swing and miss because it's Cole Hamill. Lost. We can have it on T-shirts, coffee mugs, coasters. Mm-hmm. Hats. You hear that, Cole? <laughs> Still pulling for you, bud. Still pulling what you do, but keep on doing well in Texas. Even though it's still hard, it still pains us to see you in Texas red and not in Philly's red. It really pains us. Oh, of course it does. But you know what? I'm all for it when another rain, even if it doesn't mean the Rangers win it. Because get your yeah, ring. Because we, already, because we already got. Right, because we already got it here at the initial mm-hmm. one with his with his with his with his first club. So it's all good. It's all good in the world. Now if he and didn't. He was- and he was went yeah. over to Texas, and that's a no-no. Oh, no. 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 And, and he was drafted here when he was 18. Like, yeah. like I dated myself, up. like, literally, there were six months between Cole Hamill and I. So, he grew up here. Mm-hmm. You know, this city, yeah, this place, this, this area. home, this team holds a special place in this his heart. State. <laughs> and him and his wife... Had, had, they've had so much charity work that's rooted here. Yeah, him and Victorino. Him and Victorino with the, with the charity work and the foundations and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nice Town Boys and Girls Club. Oh, yeah. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've seen that video clip so many times where he cries after he saw what it ended up being after they transformed it. I they remember when it was. Just, I remember on. when it was just. I, I remember when they just called. When they just when it was. I remember when it was just called Nice Towns Boys and Boys and Girls Club, and it didn't look that nice on the outside. I'll tell you that much. Because my grandmother. Yeah, well, was Nice Town really place, isn't so that nice. So. I mean, we can't say that out loud. <laughs> you never know who's listening. <laughs> hey, man, my. My dad's office is in Nice Town. That's always a joke. Nice yeah, Town. I just want to say, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I had a lot of family members that lived there. <laughs> yeah, listen, I come I come from with Noming, like, which is a really great neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Like, lit yeah. girl, and no picnic anymore. No picnic yeah, we, we anymore. Yeah, talk, we, we, talk, we talk about that motto. <laughs> It's just yeah, like I'll show you how we do it. I'll show you how we do it with the naming. Nah, but it just it happens. I don't, like neighborhoods I don't want it. Were, I don't want it. I don't want to know how you do it. <laughs> neighborhoods that were once like really great neighborhoods to grow up in just aren't anymore. Nope. So nope. you know, you mean no offense to the people that grew up in Nice Town if it was like a really nice neighborhood yeah. to grow up in back then because they all were Frankfurt, uh, oh, Northwood, exactly. with naming, even all the, all the neighborhood like, stores and stuff and the mm-hmm. shops and everything. Yeah, I cousins that grew up in Kensington for you know, for Christ's sake, like you know, Kensington used to actually be a nice place to grow up in. Like it's just not the reality anymore. All the neighborhoods suck. Like even Mayfair, right. like which when my my mom grew up in Feltonville, Mayfair was like the apex of where you wanted to be. Mayfair's no picnic anymore. I work in Mayfair. I know Mayfair's no picnic. It's crazy. Sound it is literally just, so. It shows you just you know how I mean? time yeah. just slowly just. The evolution hold. of neighborhoods and stuff. Yep. So I mean no offense to any of our listeners that might be from Nice Town. I don't. I'm not trying to hate on your neighborhood. Trust me, my neighborhood <laughs> I grew up in wasn't that wasn't that easy either. So just trying to be humorous. Maybe I failed. I don't know. I guess we'll find out if I get any Twitter backlash tomorrow. That's usually <laughs> how I see hey. things. Like, hey, 
I'm back. I'm from such and such, and I heard you say this, that, and the third on the podcast, and I don't appreciate it. Yeah, well, they're like, like, oops, my bad. Sorry about that. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate you listening. Yeah. I appreciate the listening. Didn't mean to insult your neighborhood. However, I appreciate you listening. Right. (laughs) Keep (laughs) on subscribing. Subscribe. I hope you understand. I meant nothing personal to you. (laughs) We just just look at the grand scheme of things and the the more grandiose, larger complex of everything, what we were talking about. Then it'll be okay. It'll be okay. We just look at it from that. Aspect. Right. Because, you know, what we, what we were getting at with Shane Victorino's took that neighborhood and made it a little bit better. Exactly. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. And when we look at Victorino, who was the Royal Japan traffic, and we look at Hamels, how he came up, and we talk about the prospects that he got in return, and we talk about the core of Utley. Howard Rollins, you know, that core growing up. And now there's a new core growing up. And we look and, you know, we look at the Phillies minor league system and we have the young guys up here already in Nola and Eflin and Franco. I mean, Tommy Joseph came up. He's not really a, a young a young fried chicken anymore. He was part of the Hunter Pinsdale a few years back, but he's finally turning around. Uh, I mean, Adubo Herrera, another World 5 draft guy, uh, out Aaron Altair, who's pretty much been solid. There's a lot of talent in this Philly team, and we look at their. Altair really pissed me off though today. He really pissed me off with that boneheaded move to go to third. You never make the first or the third out at third, and he was so dead to right to like turn around and you go the hell back. He pissed me off so hard with that play today. That was just a dumb play. I mean, I don't know. Like the golden rule in baseball. Yeah, get a little bit smarter on the base bat because so many games are lost for teams because of stupid base running. In the minors, you can probably make the first or third with no problem. In the minors, no disrespect, but yeah, that's probably more. But you're in the big, you're, yeah, you're in the big league now. But Not when you have Jeff Francoeur and company in the outfield. Hell no. Uh, not when that. Not when that happens. Not not when that happens. You're dead to rights. Dead to rights. And when we mention those young guys and we look at the young guys who are coming up in the Philly system, you know, the system's really strong, and I think there's a bright future. I mean, from all things, we just talk about Nick Williams, Afaro, Thompson, who would probably be up if um, Hellickson gets, draft, gets drafted. I mean, I get, get drafted, get traded, excuse me. And then with him, you'll have Thompson coming up. Williams could probably be a September call-up. The guy that everybody's talking about and everybody's just waiting for is the number one guy, the number one prospect in the Philly system, J.P. Crawford, the shortstop. They're waiting for him to come up. He's like number three prospect on MLB pipeline, and I think he's Keith Laws, like midseason number one prospect in baseball. This system is really strong, but it's really scary at the same time because we remember when the Phillies were winning and stuff, when we were in the World Series and the playoffs and stuff like that, this system wasn't that strong. They were getting they were getting by with making big trades from veteran talent that were very talented players. But now, on the flip side, it's like the rebuild is actually looking kind of nice now, all of a sudden. Much better than the Sixers, for now. Much better. Didn't have to do so much tanking, I'll say that. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it, they're, they're heading into a new time. They just have to perform it. They have to deliver on it. They have to get good prospects. They have to get good talent. Basically mm-hmm. making all the right moves. But, you know, don't spend, don't do this and spend, like, years in wheeling and dealing hell where you don't really ever get a decent return on your investments. Like, I think right. at this point, whatever they get rid of, they have to get a decent return on their investments because if they want to compete again, then they really, really need to just work at it. Mm-hmm. They can't just keep saying, yeah, yeah, next tra- trade deadline, we'll do this, next trade line de- deadline, we'll do that. If you have the pieces now to prompt the, you know, the good prospects, the good, you know, minor league players, then do it now. Don't rest right. the floor. Or trading a, vet- trade a veteran that's blocking the prospect from coming up, then you got to do it. So it's all up to them. They're just, you know, I hope to God that they do it because, I mean, I miss competitive baseball. I really do. Hell, I miss competitive sports in anything in this damn city. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Talk about not competitive. There's none of that happening right now. And it's so funny to look at this minor league list, Crawford and AAA. So pretty much Freddie Alvis, you're just holding the seat. <laughs> Until Crawford comes up, <laughs> you're just holding that spot. And then the Phillies' number one draft pick that he just got this year, would you believe he's already second in the he's, MLB, MLB pipeline already has him ranked second right now in the Phillies' Damn. And the kid's 18 years old. The kid was born in 1998. My God, he was born Mickey in the draft. Right. <laughs> I was just was I in kindergarten or was in first grade? Oh my god! My my team my kindergarten first grade. How was you? My teenage years and my lust for Pat Burrell just kind of like flashed back between my eyes or through my eyes. I remember that like picture oh, him god. like half naked in the locker room, like just bent over. It's like oh yes, Pat. Oh yes, Pat Burrell. We are so dating ourselves right now, and it's so. I scary. know we are. I know we are. He's born the same year Paparel was drafted. You're like, oh, kindergarten, first grade. Like, oh, no. I was already a teenager, like, having inappropriate thoughts about Paparel at that point because, oh, man, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Paparel is one of the sexiest men I've ever seen in my life, and I guarantee you, up close, he looks even better in person. Cameron just, <laughs> just doesn't do him justice, Lord. Lord of mercy, I need to fan myself right now. <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> yeah, I know. I embarrassed myself thoroughly tonight on the air. Uh, so, Pat, if any chance you are listening, please come to Philly, and I can I'll buy you a couple of drinks. I know you're a big load. I'll I'll take care of your old bar tab. I think he was. I think he was just in Retton last week. I think. I think really? he was just in Retton last I missed, week. Oh, that's right. Red, that, that's right. Redding gave away the golden paparel bobbleheads. I freaking missed it. Yeah, he was inducted into their Hall of Fame. Yeah. Damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. It's okay. He'll be back. Um, he will be back. <laughs> he'll be back. So if, he's, so if he's listening. Pat, will please be come back, back for a Wall of Fame? Will he be back for a Wall of Fame weekend? Um, I hope he is. And if so, I'm going to harass the hell out of him on Twitter. Like you said, I'm the Drake at Twitter, but I will make an appearance. I'm going to have to harass the crap out of him. <laughs> I'll be on my hotline bling with that. Oh my god! <laughs> this this podcast took a really odd turn, Jovan. 
Barry and the deal with him in on air. I turn. That's the thing. It's oh my God! Can you imagine if it? Just, if Dio was on the pocket, if he jump he, on he, me he, immediately, he'd be, like, he'd be like, he'd be like, oh, he'd be like, oh my, he'd be like, oh God, Angela, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> no ragrack, not one single letter. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So Moniac is eight is was born in ninety eight and he's number two, eighteen years old. It is you got Thompson at five, Cornelius Randolph who they drafted last year in the first round. He's number nine. He's a number nine prospect. Right, no, number six prospect in the Philly system right now, playing at Lakewood. And he's um nineteen, born in ninety seven, so yeah. And then you got the stud right now that's lighting the world on fire in the Eastern League. And Dylan Cozens, who everybody's been talking about, I didn't know Cozens was this old, but he's only twenty-two. He's only twenty-two years old. Plays the outfield. Do you think folks, he's older than twenty-two? No, I thought no, I thought he was older than twenty-two. I thought he was older than twenty-two. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I thought I'm he was older than twenty-two because every because everybody's been talking about him for years. So I was just like, uh, how old? How old is this guy? But he's twenty-two, and right now, and at Reading. He in a hundred games right now. He has twenty-seven home runs, eighty-nine RBIs, with a two-eighty-one batting average. Holy crap! Is he the next coming of the power hitter that always comes through the Philly system? Will he be Ryan Howard and not Darren Ruff? Sweet Jesus! <laughs> yeah, but they, yeah, but to be realistic, they didn't do Darren Ruff any favors by keeping him in the minors for oh, so yeah. long. I think he oh, might have. Yeah. I think he might have had it better. Yes. Um, yes. career where they brought growth. him up earlier. Done in his growth. Yep. Ro- Rowan tomorrow so hopefully, hopefully that's just hopefully that's just a lesson learned and they won't do that to another player again. Yeah. Don't stunt Cozen's growth because obviously he's he's twenty two and he's already hit twenty seven home runs in double A. Yeah, uh, I, I I think he'll be in triple A next season. I don't think they'll okay. move him. And he has yeah, a, no, don't rest on your one thing, about one. Right. And one thing that he does have to keep on getting better at is his strikeouts right now because he has 128 strikeouts. <laughs> so, oh, whatever. How many times did Brian Howard strike out? Yeah, yeah. And how many so times did he strike out even when he was good? Yeah, even when he was in his prime. Yeah, that's true. That's what people don't understand about power hitters. Like, they get so upset when they strike out, but they don't understand the power of just what one swing can do. Power hitters strike out a lot. They do. I remember in 2001, Andrew Jones and Dan Braves like was hitting like 230, but he had like almost 40 home runs. Yeah, that's I remember saying to my dad, like, why has he got so many strikeouts? My dad was like, well, power hitters strike out a lot because they're swinging for the fence Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. It's It's a big risk. It's a big risk every time he goes to the police. You can have a 230, 240 batting average and still have, like, 40 home runs and, like, over 100 RBI. Like one's not changing out to the other. To <laughs> I'll what? take that any a week, to be honest. I'll take that. I'll take the 40 home runs and the low bat average. Because <laughs> that means I'm, well, yeah. that means I'm putting runs on the board. Yeah. There's a difference between hitting for average and hitting a driving run. There's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very true. So we'll see what happens with Cozens. We'll see. I'm interested to see what they do with him because there's a lot. There's, there's, there's one guy on my Twitter that's always just been talking about these 
young guys and hoping that they come up in September that Cozen gets a September call-up. Uh, I wouldn't be too sure about Cozen getting that September call-up just yet. you got to see what he does against AAA pitching. You know, no disrespect to AA pitching, but AA pitching is like pretty much the same age group, the 18, 19, 20-year-olds, whatever. They're all 21, 22-year-olds all pitching against each other. You want to see what he does against AAA pitching because AAA pitching is guys who are seasoned and you have some major league baseball players peppered in up there in AAA. So you want to see what he does there. But the future is bright. And we even look at what they got for Ken Giles. They got Velasquez, Mark Appel. And Appel, you know, was a former number one overall pick. And right now he's in Lehigh Valley. So they got him. And then they also got uh, Thomas Eshelman. Eshelman was was another great solid pickup. And right now he's in double-A. He's in double-A right now. And he's struggling, but he'll get it together. He's only 22. So the future is bright. The future is very bright, Angela. That's why I think I can take from this. The future is bright for the Phillies. And it'll like it might be more bright for the Phillies than the Sixers at the present time. The Phillies might have a big, bigger, might have a brighter future than the Eagles right now. Oh, wow. Just because I don't know what Carson Wentz is, I don't know what Wendell Smallwood is, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks with the Eagles, but that's a whole different yeah, not tell, Speaking of the Eagles, I'll tell you this. CBS Philly posted a um, or thing about like top eagles to draft in your fantasy draft, and you know mm-hmm. me, I study up on my fantasy. I am a fantasy freaking junkie. I know all this kind of crap, and I just kind of like laughed at <laughs> at the suggestions because one of them was Ryan Matthews. Like, what the hell are you oh, doing? He's hurt. Like, why are you I, and I, and I texted text text you that the day he got hurt too. I was like, guess who's hurt? You wouldn't guess it. Ryan Matthews, we just talked about that on podcast last week. Surprise, surprise. So why is it that they're, like, telling people to draft him? No, that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. If a player's hurt, then you don't draft him. He's my, he's, he's, he's he's my type of guy that I – he's my type of guy that I would just pick up, like, on a one-week, like, waiver. Like, yeah, I just need to exactly. Back. You wait for him for that to like, be well and then pick him up. But you wouldn't draft him mm-hmm. and then put him on your bench for like three, four weeks. Who the hell does that? I don't know. I wouldn't do that. They, I wouldn't touch they that. Also said, they also said draft the defense. Well, okay. Possibly. Possibly, but I wouldn't draft them. Because there's a defense yeah, that would no. totally against the Eagles. But I would pick them against them if it's a one week where they have a favorable matchup. Yeah, that's a matchup thing. That's a, my defense is on by, and I need somebody else real quick. Oh, let me take them. And Jeez, while we, might have, we might have to do a fantasy podcast. Oh, my God. This is some good talk you, right now. You know I'm front and center for that. And while <laughs> I kind of have been calling it for the past two years, and, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to, like, let this go, but they said Zach Ertz. Like, oh, yeah, this is Zach Ertz breaking out here. Well, I mean, I kind of understand that frustration because I've been saying it for two years and Zach Ertz is breaking out here. Will I will I still draft him this year? Yeah, I probably will. Only because yeah, I don't want to like because I don't want to give up just yet. And then after drafting him for two years, and not only drafting him for two years, but two years ago, like I had two teams that were named after him: Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Earth doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't really be ready to give up on him. 
I would want to draft him one more time and bring him on to Team T-Boners, which is my main team. Yeah, Team T-Boners. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a master with puns. My fantasy teams, T-Boners, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Earth Doesn't It, 1.21 J.J. Watts, which a D.O. stole last year in my league. Yes, Gauntlet throwing a D.O. I hope you hear this. Um, I think we got to wrap it up, too. We only got a minute left. Yeah. Oh, Damn no. it. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> good, good way to end, though, on my fancy football puns. Double check yourself before you wreck yourself, and then it's all like Indomitian. Those are my best ones. There you go. Fancy football puns to get you through before fancy football season starts. That's going to wrap up the podcast. Thanks again for everybody tuning in. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Total Sports Live. Follow me on Twitter at Johansson. Follow Angela on Twitter at Antoine Check out TotalSportsLive.com. Got a lot of great stuff coming for you in the month of August. Should be a great one. A lot of big things on the horizon for the site. For me and Angela, everybody have a great rest of your day. And stay tuned to TotalSportsLive.com for the latest involvement of and trade and MLB trade deadline. And we are out. Everybody have a good day. Bye, everyone.